there are many people in life who um, it is sufficient not really to know their name, but just to know what they do. So, for example, when you go out for lunch today and your waiter or waitress comes to your table and says to you, my name is so-and-so, I'm here to take your order, for most of us, for most of us, it's the second part of that that really matters. It doesn't really matter what the waiter or waitress's name is, unless you're more polite than me, and many of you are, um, but it really doesn't matter. The point is, this person whoever he or she may be, is here to do something for me. And it's that action of taking my order, getting my food, bringing it back. That's what I really care about. Their name could be John. Their name could be Cindy. Their name could be June. It makes no difference. What matters is what that person does. But there are other people in your life that it makes a whole lot of difference what their name is. It makes a lot of difference when you're standing at the altar of God and the pastor says to you, do you this day take this woman to be your wife? Not any woman will do. It has to be the right one. Do you this day take this man? And we name the names because the person in marriage matters. Life is full of people who, you know, they could come and they could go, and what really matters is the work, but life is also full of not just people who perform some task, but of people. And it is those people who we love, not just what they do. It is not my joy as a husband that my wife does various things for me. Oh, yes, I'm thankful for all that Liz does for me, but what matters most, what matters most is her. Now, when we talk of God, when we speak of God, it is not uncommon, it is a common pitfall and temptation that we might slip into that mode of saying, it doesn't matter so much who he is, I just care about what he does. See, we often do this, we get things switched up, we put ourselves at the center and say what matters is what God does for me and don't bother me with all this stuff about three infinites and three uncreateds and three almighties, just tell me what he does for me. If we do that, if we slip into that, we treat God like he's some kind of a waiter in the restaurant. That the whole point of salvation is not God in and of himself, but the whole point is me. And what gifts God can give me. Today on Trinity Sunday, we turn things the right way. We keep the right things at the the focus. And what matters most of all on this day, what we celebrate and rejoice in is this. That above all the things that God does for us, and summing up everything that he does for us, is this simple fact. That he makes himself known. That God should make himself known to you. Think on that this morning. Ponder that and let the words of the psalm that we sang this morning be your guide. When I look at the stars of the heavens, when I look at the immensity of God's world, what am I? Who are any of you? Who are any of us that we should know God? See, here is the sum and substance of the Catholic faith and religion. That is the religion that is called Christian. That which is believed in all places at all times in the true church is this, that God makes himself known. That God gives you his name. That he doesn't just say, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I take care of you? He does all of those things to be sure. But the most blessed thing of all is this, that you 
would know God. Now that might sound kind of esoteric, that might sound kind of far-flung, but just think of the importance of this, that you, a finite creature, that you who are as numerous as the grass of the earth, that we who today are and tomorrow will fade away, that we in all of our smallness and all of our brevity, that God makes himself known to us, to little creatures, This is what we celebrate today on Trinity Sunday. And this day in our church year kind of serves as the hinge. We have the whole life of Christ behind us with all the wonderful seasons, Advent and Christmas, his birth, Epiphany, his miracles, Lent, his suffering, Holy Week, his death and resurrection, and Easter, the message of his resurrection. And now before us lies the time of the church when we are to grow in his teaching, when we are to grow in Christ's word. But before we come to all of that, we celebrate simply this, that God has made himself known, that he has said to us, here is who I am, that he has said to each and every one of us, I want you, you, little though you are, I want you to know me. And in that is our salvation. But just to kind of impress on you how incredible that is, let's turn to what Jesus says. When he's speaking with this man, Nicodemus, Jesus talks about the wind. And I want to use that as our illustration this morning for thinking about the impossibility of knowing God. Jesus says, look at the wind. You know, you can hear the wind, you hear it moving, but none of you can see the wind, right? I asked my kids that this morning. What color would you think the wind is? And it's always interesting to ask little children these questions because they say great things, but they were even confused by this. We can't see the wind, and that's Jesus' point. When he's speaking with Nicodemus, his whole point is to impress on Nicodemus the impossibility of recognizing God on your own. It would be like trying to catch the wind. Now, you can set up a sail, and you can put up a flag, and you can see the wind pushing the flag, and you can kind of harness the wind's power, but none of us can see the wind. We would be lost in the same way. Without God revealing himself to us, we would be like people trying to look at the wind, trying to catch the wind, trying to hold on to the wind. And you can look around at the history of the world, you can look at the different religions that exist out there, and you can see how people grasp at God, how they try to catch the wind and say, God is like this, or God is like that, or I think it's like this, or I think it's like that. But what are they doing except trying to chase the wind? Here is the wonderful news that God gives you the wind, that He reveals Himself to you, that He opens Himself up to you. That's what Jesus was impressing on Nicodemus. Nicodemus was this wise man. He was, our text says, a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. And he comes to Jesus at night because he's still in the dark. For all of his education, for all of his advancement in learning, Nicodemus was still in the dark. And it's kind of funny, in his interaction with Jesus, he comes and he kind of trades, or he expects Jesus to trade niceties with him. Right? You heard him say to Jesus, Rabbi. He uses a nice term for Jesus. You are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the things that you do unless God is with him. See how he butters Jesus up? 
And he probably expected to Jesus butter, for Jesus to butter him up in return. You know, I say something nice to you, and you say something nice to me. I make a comment about how hot it is, you make a comment about how humid it is. I ask you about the game last night, you tell me about whatever it is. This exchange of pleasantries happens all the time, but not with Jesus. Jesus cuts right to the point. Verily, verily. Truly, truly, he says to Nicodemus, let's get to the heart. Let's get to why you came, Nicodemus. Regardless of what you expected me to say to you, here's what I want to tell you. Unless you be born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Jesus cuts right to the most important question. He cuts right to the most critical thing. And I don't know what you expected to happen in church this morning, but let's just let Jesus cut right to the heart of the matter. Here is the most important question you can concern yourself with this morning. How can I see the kingdom of God? Where is God at work ruling and reigning in his grace and his mercy? The Pharisees had all kinds of ideas about what the kingdom of God would be like and what it should be like and how it should happen and what all would take place when the kingdom of God came in. But Jesus blows all that up for Nicodemus and says, you must completely change. Isn't that what it means to be born again? All of your learning, all of your understanding, all of your grasping, chuck it out the window. Be born again, Nicodemus. And then you will see the kingdom of God. But of course, Nicodemus didn't understand. He's like us saying the Athanasian Creed, a little bit confused and not quite sure what all is being said. Oh yes, he latches on, knowing the kingdom of God, that would be a good thing, but what does this mean being born again? How can that take place? And so Jesus tells him, cuts right to the heart again, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. See, for Nicodemus, it was about seeing the kingdom of God, and it is important to see God's kingdom, but even better than seeing the kingdom of God is what? Being part of it. And so the wonderful news this morning is not only that Jesus tells us things about God so that we can know a detail here or a detail there, but Jesus tells us about God and brings us into the life of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In talking about the kingdom of God and being able to see it and being able to enter into it, Jesus reorganizes all of the priorities of life. He points out to Nicodemus and he points out to you this morning that here is the central question of your existence. Here is the most important thing you could ever learn in this world. In fact, it's not too much to say that if you know all things, but you know nothing about the kingdom of God, then have you learned anything at all? And conversely, if you know nothing about the wisdom of the world, but you know the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, well then guess what? You know the one thing truly needful. So pay attention to what Jesus says this morning, for in it is the most central, most pressing, most important question of all. This is what you were created for. Nothing short of this, to know God. But see, left to yourself, you can't possibly do it. Just like you can't see the wind and you can't hold on to the wind, left to your own understanding, left to your own abilities, you won't come up with the right answer. That which is born of the flesh, Jesus says, is flesh. 
but that which is born of the Spirit. That's what counts. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. And who is Jesus talking about there? Well, only consider. Only consider where Jesus of Nazareth was from. Only remember where it is that he came from. For he was conceived not by the power of man, not by the will of his earthly father, but he was conceived how? By the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he is the one who is born of the Spirit. And he is the one who blows through this world like the wind of God. And here's the wonderful thing about Jesus. He doesn't just blow through the world as an empty, vacuous spirit, but he comes and joins flesh and spirit together. And so in him, in him you see the kingdom of God. In him you see what it is that God is up to in the world. In him you see what the plans and purposes of the Father from before the foundation of the world were laid. In him, in this Jesus, you see the kingdom of God made known. And what do you see in Jesus? You see one lifted up Like the serpent in the wilderness, you see the Son of God given into death so that you may be saved. Here is the kingdom of God. Here is the answer to the the most important question of our lives, which is who is God? Where is his kingdom? What is his kingdom like? You see it in Jesus. It is a kingdom of love and of mercy and of grace, a kingdom of forgiveness, a kingdom of salvation. That which is born of the flesh can't see it though. And the Pharisees couldn't see it. And even his own disciples didn't understand all that Jesus was saying and doing. It was like looking at the wind. There's this funny story just a little bit later in John's gospel. Jesus is in the temple and he's teaching and no one recognizes where he's from or where he's going. So he says to the Jews, I am going to him who sent me. And we know now that he was talking about his cross. But they say, what is he talking about? Where is he going? Where is this one going? They look at him, and it's like looking at the wind. And a little bit later in that same story, they ask him, okay, are you the Christ? Just tell us plainly. And Jesus doesn't answer. But some of them say, well, he can't possibly be the Christ because he's from Galilee. And we know that the scripture says the Christ must come from Bethlehem. See, they were thinking too simplistically. And they didn't even recognize that actually, even though he lived in Galilee, where was it that our Lord was born? But in Bethlehem. They know neither where he's from nor where he's going. He's like the wind. But you know where he's from. And you know where he is going. You know what it is that your Lord Jesus was up to in his earthly ministry. And you know what his will is now because you have been given not just fleshly eyes, but you have been given the eyes transformed by the gift of the Spirit. For not only have you been born again to see God's kingdom, but through the waters of holy baptism, Jesus has prepared a way for you to enter into that kingdom. Isn't that better by far? It's one thing to watch the news. It's one thing to watch a game on TV. It's one thing to observe the customs of a land and of a kingdom from far off. But how much better that you have been brought into the kingdom of the Son. And there all the things that you see in Scripture, all the things that Jesus did and all the things that he said in Holy Scripture, those things are now experienced in the life of the church. 
For now, that forgiveness won for you on the cross is applied to you. Now that salvation accomplished for you by his death and resurrection is given out to you. Now all that Jesus said and did for us long ago is delivered to you by the Holy Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and it can't see that which is born of the Spirit. But when you have been born of the Spirit, that is, when you have been baptized, you're given new eyes to see Jesus as he really is, to know where he's from and where he's going. You can see the wind, so to speak, and you know who God is, that he is truly the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And knowing that, knowing that, seeing the wind you become born of the same spirit. What that means is that you now are like Jesus. You are like wind in the world. You are like wind in the world being sent out from God and having your salvation firmly and certainly accomplished. You know where you come from and you know where it is that you are going to. The world might not recognize you. They might hear you talk about the Athanasian Creed and singing about the Holy Spirit and living this strange and different life. And they won't recognize it. But we don't live for them. We live for our Lord. We live by our Lord, for from him and to him and through him are all things. You have been given this new birth. You have been born again. Your eyes have been opened to recognize in Jesus the kingdom of God. You have been brought into that kingdom. And today, today we celebrate the name that is stamped on our heads in holy baptism. Today we celebrate the name that is given for us to call on our God. For who are we and what are we that he should care so much for us? The answer is, of course, we are nothing. And yet in his mercy and his love and his grace, he has chosen to show us the wind, to show us his heart, to reveal himself to us so that we might know him and praise him and glorify him, not just for a time, but forever and ever. To him be the glory now and always. Amen.